Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pr- pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien, with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. What's cooking, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast, episode 462. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself, formulated with the perfect combination of boxing, strength, and cardio conditioning intervals designed to make you look good, feel good, and leave you with more than just a great sweat. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're also sponsored by Bet Online. Line.ag. Sign up for your 50% bonus using the promo code capital BLEAV50 to sign up for that 50% bonus week 15 of the NFL this week. Uh, our guest today knows a little bit uh, about sports. He's a sports broadcaster at Full Sail University, the Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting, Mr. Alfonso McCree Jr. That is one hell of a name, man. Appreciate I got to give you credit. <laughs> It's but way not, better than Jack O'Hara. But no, uh, no, no. Your, your name's pretty dope, man. Your name's pretty dope. Well, I, I appreciate like it. it. It's too sweet. We, we were talking about pro wrestling before we came on, about uh, some of the events. You went to three manias, you said? Yeah, my first one was WrestleMania 28. That was Rock versus Cena 1. Absolutely. Miami, wow. Dude, Triple H versus Taker inside Hell in a Cell. That's arguably still, to this day, my favorite wrestling match ever. I think... Uh, like one of the best wrestling spots of all time when Shawn Michaels super kicks Undertaker right into a pedigree and then Taker kicks out the entire stadium. I mean, I'll never forget that. The entire stadium just went crazy. <laughs> I was like, this is the this is the craziest crowd I've ever been a part of. And then I went to WrestleMania 33. Uh, that was in Orlando. That one was amazing too. It, it, was, it was pretty decent. There were some matches that, that missed but the ones that hit definitely hit pretty well. Okay, you had the Hardy Boys return, which blew the Wait. roof off the joint. Obviously, Taker Reigns in the main event did not hit. It, no, not at all. 
I don't think no. Triple H Rollins kind of lived up to the expectation either. I thought that had the potential to be the main event too, with the way the storyline went. With that match specifically, I thought it would have gone over better in a smaller arena. Because when you have a big stadium like that, you got to do stuff to keep everybody's attention. You're trying to keep the attention of 70,000 people. Uh, whereas in an arena, it's like 10,000, you know, mm. and it's much, it's much tighter. You're, everybody's closer and you can see better. Um, there were a lot of things that I felt like they were telling great stories throughout. But it just, number one, Triple H matches sometimes tend to go on a little bit too long. That's a well-known fact. But even besides that, it was just, I don't know. It, it was something off about it. I was looking forward to it a lot. Uh, but it, it's something that didn't necessarily hit about no. it. I mean, Jericho Owens, I thought, could have been one of the main events, too. And they put him on second in a U.S. title match. That one should have been for the Universal Championship. 100%. I mean, they had to go with the big money Lesnar Goldberg shtick. That didn't, that didn't need the title. That didn't need the title at all. Arguable, you know. I mean, arguable, if you're Vince, you know, big money draw, yeah. big title match. And then Lesnar goes on to be the champion for a year and a half and defended it like four times. Yeah. It was brutal. It was a weird, weird time in wrestling, man. It's just a weird time in wrestling. I don't, I, looking back at this year, this could have been the best year in recent memory for professional wrestling all around. I mean, you look at yeah. everything that happened. Obviously, the crowd comes back. You know, Edge main events WrestleMania. Lesnar returns. Lynch returns. CM Punk returns in AEW. Brian and Adam Cole debut in AEW. You know, there, were, there was a lot of big events that happened this year. Roman Reigns still as the tribal chief kicking ass like nobody thought he ever would. John Cena's return at Money in the Bank. Like, you can go on and on and on about this stuff. Like, I thought it was a very good year for professional wrestling, despite what some people might think. You know, everybody, there's always going to be people who nitpick at the, the bookings for both brands, you know? But I thought overall it was a very good year. I don't know what you thought. I, no, I, I 100% agree with you, especially because the, the balance, the true balance of power has finally come to fruition between WWE and AEW. Uh, whereas last year and the year before that, AEW was still kind of just getting off the ground. They had Dynamite going, but they were still trying to gain viewers and popularity. This year was the first year where they were cracking seven figures in, in, uh, in viewership uh, consistently. And I'm like, man, that's, that's so good for wrestling, period. Um, you know, I, I know some, some hardcore WWE guys, oh, WWE can't do any, anything wrong, anything that's anti-WWE, we're not about it. I'm like, if you really change your perspective, AEW is not anti-WWE. All AEW is going to do potentially is make WWE better because mm -hmm. they have to set their game up. You should be thanking AEW for existing because without them... No pressure is put on WWE to improve themselves. I mean, no. it's just they can just coast, but now they can't. And they have some huge talent that came their way. I mean, Punk's return alone, like who's to say a year from now that'll have any any heat on it? But like just him returning alone after seven years, all of a sudden, like AEW, you got to watch every week. Then Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debut on the exact same night within two minutes of each other. Like would yeah. like Brian Danielson, huge WWE guy, still to this day, like says he loved his time in WWE, but even he had to leave. Yeah, like that's yeah, saying something. Just he loves pro wrestling, and he doesn't really love sports entertainment necessarily. No, and I, I totally understand. Um, and he wants more creative freedom, um, less pressure, you know, put on himself to to meet expectations that he doesn't feel comfortable with. Whereas now, now that he's in AEW, Tony Khan 
is known for uh, giving his talent a little bit more creative freedom than WWE does. Just just a uh, smidge. Just a, just a tiny bit. Yeah. Uh, they they have they have more input on where their stories go, where their characters go, and you see it play out on screen because these guys really it feels like they're living their gimmicks. Where in WWE, it doesn't feel like really anybody there except maybe Roman is living their gimmick. Like and it took like who, eight years to do because they finally yeah. let him be himself Yeah, as a heel, which they never wanted either. I mean, but see, what they what they failed to realize is that heels nowadays get cheered more than baby faces in a lot of cases because they're more interesting. I've never seen two heels that are exactly the same. I've seen a lot of baby faces that are exactly the same. Mm. And that that's the difference. Audiences don't want they don't want the same thing over and over again. Roman Reigns reminded them of John Cena. As soon as that happens, you have to change that because they even though, even if they don't hate John Cena, they're going to hate you for either trying to be him or the ones that hated John Cena are going to hate you for trying to be him. You know, it, there's there's no there's no good way to go about that. You have to stand out and be different. This tribal chief thing is one of the best gimmicks I've seen in wrestling in years. So the last thing we'll touch on in pro wrestling to start the show is uh, your prediction for day one, Reigns, Lesnar, and the main event for the Universal title. I feel like you kind of uh, are itching towards Paul Heyman, you know, kind of setting up Brock Lesnar and turning on him, and then, of course, he's going back to Reigns. I thought that breakup was way too fast. Yeah. Uh, And another thing is, They've been money together. There's no reason to permanently break them up. Yeah. Um, so I expect to be swerved. I hope to be swerved here. And I hope Heyman turns on Lesnar, similar to how he did, you know, Survivor Series 2002, uh, Madison Square Garden, Brock Lesnar, Big Show, and, uh, you know, Heyman just turns on Lesnar. And the crowd's like, oh, my God, no way. And then Big Show wins the championship and stuff. I love stuff like that. I really do. Like, if you can... You can get the crowd like, what the F? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what you're looking for right there. I think they're going to pull the trigger on it. It's yeah. Paul Heyman we're talking about here. You know? so Creative genius. Yeah. I'm stunned that they uh, let him go for being a creative insight on Raw. I remember, like, it was going to be Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, the two running Raw and SmackDown behind the scenes. And that was scrapped within, like, three weeks. That was tough. That was a tough time in wrestling. It seems like WWE couldn't do anything right at that time zach you have those uh nwo pictures of alfonso there he is what what is this from is this halloween all right so a story behind this uh i lived in italy for three years as part of uh, my military service in the air force and uh we lived 45 minutes away from venice now that mask you see uh is called a uh, afro punk mask they used to wear it um back in the day centuries ago um uh, Venezia Carnavale, which has been this carnival. Right. Uh, it's, it, they put on every year and they all wear masks and, and things like that. Uh, so I saw that one in the store and me and that mask just connected like on a deep level. And actually, if you don't mind, let me show you something. I'll just take the sweater off. I actually loved it so much. Oh my God. You really do love pro wrestling. Yeah. You weren't joking. So uh, <laughs> I fell in love with that mask immediately. It, like it, it, it was it was almost like a, a super villain seeing their mask with it. like Killmonger and Black Panther when he saw that mask in the museum and he just grabbed it. 
that was that was me in that one. And I was like, man, I feel I feel really good about this. One. What Michael B. Jordan's character? Yeah. The bad guy in the movie? I always thought he was the good guy in that movie. I was always rooting for Michael B. Jordan in that movie. He was wronged as a kid. He was speaking some truth. He was speaking some truth, but overall, the way he was carrying out his stuff was... I don't even know if I would say it was wrong. Some because, pe- A lot know, of people would have reacted the same way. Yeah, I, I think I would have. So, I, I don't know. But he... I mean, T'Challa was pure, I guess. He was more pure. I don't know pure is a word, but more pure. He yeah. was, you know, just, yeah. But, I mean, Killmonger was the kill that you cheer for in WWE. You're like, That's oh, right. Killmonger, yes, we want him to win. Yeah, but. He was the tribal chief in that movie. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? They acknowledged <laughs> him, man. But you just touched on it, though. United States Air Force, man. First of all, thank you for your service. But how did you go about doing that? Because you were there for, what, like six and a half years? Yeah, six and a half years. Um long long story uh basically just couldn't afford college and had to figure something out um and b- before i before i went into the air force i was at uh prince george's community college about 30 minutes from here and i was doing uh tv production and things like that so i knew what my overall passion was uh but didn't have the money to do it so i go into the air force at 19 um, you know, first time living outside of my parents' house, obviously I just graduated a year before that. Uh, and the first time, um, you know, just really being on my own out of the state and things like that, I started off in South Carolina as my first duty station. So it was a long road. Uh, I worked as a weapons troop. I would load bombs, missiles, uh, live ammunition, chat flare. Um, it was a scary job sometimes. Um, my body pays the price for it on a daily basis, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still kind of happy that I did it. I met amazing people. I traveled the world. I've been to Africa, I've been to, uh, Japan, I've been to Korea. Um, I've been all over Europe, Slovenia, Croatia. Uh, I got to go to Pompeii, which was like a childhood dream of mine. So like <laughs> everything the military did wrong. Like, it, it was erased at that point. I'm like, <laughs> I am standing on Mount Vesuvius right now. This is unbelievable. But, it, yeah, it, you know, it was it was more of just a way to make ends meet for myself. And, um, you know, I was motivated by my parents to, to do it. And, you know, overall, I'm glad I did it. It taught me a lot of things like punctuality, professionalism, how to be places on time. I, I, I was waiting in the, the lobby for this meeting at least five minutes early, you know what I mean? But, like, I, I do that because the military trained me to do that. It's, like, ingrained in me now because of them. Um, So, you know, yeah, long six and a half years. I was going to say, six and a half years is a very long time. What what was the uh, the final decision? Was it just time to leave or? Uh, I wasn't I wasn't happy anymore. Yeah. Um. You know, falling into depression, anxiety, different things like that. Uh, also, I had my son, and something just didn't sit right with me about potentially missing Christmas because I was deployed. You know, um, mm-hmm. he's he's awesome. He's two now. Uh, he's learning all these words and stuff, and I don't want to miss any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so it was partly that, and then just partly like I, I realized. I thought I was destined for something even bigger, 
which is, you know, no shade to the Air Force, but it just wasn't, my journey wasn't leading me on that path anymore. Right. Uh, for me to, uh, you know, go my separate ways from, from that environment. But you always knew that you wanted to get into broadcast television per se, right? Like you always wanted to try that out because now you're at Full Sail University. How's that going, by the way, the, the whole Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting? I hear that's just a trip. I encourage anybody who wants to do anything in TV. I don't care what it is. It could be news reporting. Yeah. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be anything to do with sports. I encourage them to come to the uh, Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Because everything that they teach you there can translate into uh, regular news, um, podcasting, um, it just just anything. Anything you want to do in television or radio, you can do it. I've done so much stuff. I met so many people. I've met Dan Patrick, shook his hand. Uh, Jay Harris from Sports Center. I have his email. We talk. Uh, not to mention, you know, the, the stuff that doesn't even have to do specifically with my program, like the WWE stuff. You know, getting to go into the Performance Center and work there is insane. And like I said, when you see Shawn Michaels walking past you and you're like, holy crap, this is my favorite wrestler of all showstopper, time. Showstopper, man. Mr. Main Event. Yeah, man. It's it's amazing. Uh, I've been getting a lot of opportunities. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is that I always knew I had this talent of speaking and talking in front of the camera. I've never seen a mirror that I didn't like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my, my confidence is through the roof in myself and my abilities. And for a while, the only people that could see that was me and my wife. But now that I'm, that I'm out of the military and I'm, I'm at this school and I'm, I'm doing these things, everybody's getting a chance to see what I can do. Uh, we did a, Pop Warner has their Super Bowl every year. This year it's in. Uh, this year it was in Orlando, so there was a bracket reveal show that needed to be done. ESPN did it last year, uh, but Pop Warner gave it to us at the school this year, and we did it, and they loved it. Not only did they love it, but my program director, his name is Gus Ramsey. He's an amazing human being, amazing supervisor, amazing program director, everything. He calls me a couple days later. He's like, hey, uh, Alfonso, uh, just wanted to let you know, I just got off the phone with the, the tennis channel, and they said they really liked you, and they're going to be looking at you. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm like, you know, that it just, I, I'm grateful for where I'm at now. I'm extremely blessed. I'm, like, living in the moment. I'm just, I'm for the first time in a long time, I'm just here, you know, and I'm, I'm loving life. I'm loving the pursuit of what I'm doing. And I'm loving the people that I'm meeting along the way. Um, I was really excited when you emailed me. Matt checked out, you know, your your podcast on YouTube. I, I forgot the gentleman's name, but um, I watched the episode with uh, the guy from American Ninja Warrior. That's honestly and, one of the favorite episodes, DC Banks. Yeah, he's he's cool, man. He's cool. I, I loved his vibe and everything like that. And I, I love the whole vibe of the podcast. I was like, man, this is like the stuff you guys are talking about. I was like, okay, we're on the same frequency here. Like, I, I wanna, I wanna get in on that. So it was no hesitation for me saying yes uh, when you invited me on. But you know, it's just I'm, I don't know. I could go on and on, man. I'm just I'm, I'm blessed 
I'm blessed as hell. That's all I'll say. I'm just. See, you could it, tell this is what you were meant to do, man. Like you just yeah. sound like I just tell on the base of your voice, just talking to you now, how much you love doing this. And it seems like a great community too at Full Sail in that school of broadcasting. And didn't Dan Patrick kind of critique some of your work on his show, from what I saw? Did I uh, posted? I posted it on my Instagram. It was the first time I'd ever gotten feedback from him, and it was just all positive. Because <laughs> he's he's very he's very honest. Yeah. Because uh, you know I do think I'm good. I think I'm I think I'm great at what I do. But I always want to get better because there's somebody else working hard to get better as well. So I have to stay on top of my game. So uh, every so often, Gus Gus Ramsey, the program director, he'll send out an email and say, "Hey, send your videos in for Dan to review. We'll do a Zoom session on this day at this time, whatever." He tries to do those as often as he can, and. For those of us who can't make the meeting, we can still send stuff in, but then Dan will record like a little video for us, uh, you know, giving us the feedback. Excuse me. And he he gave me that one. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy, man. It, it was a it was a commentary I did where I was just talking about why sports matter and why they're important to people, because growing up, all I've heard from people who don't love sports is how pointless they are. And I'm like, you don't understand. Sports have saved my life on multiple occasions. They matter a lot to oh, a yeah. lot of people. A lot of people. So, so what, what do you think your biggest goal is going to be moving forward? Whether it be in like play-by-play or reporting, being an analyst. Like, what, what's your, what's kind of like the thing, the image in your head that you have of what you want to do? Or are you just enjoying the ride? I'm honestly, I'm just enjoying the ride because. That vision changes every single oh, yeah. day. Anytime I take on a new project, I'm like, oh, I want to do this now. Well, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, you know, it, it just it changes so often that I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, wherever wherever life takes me at this point, I know it'll be the right place. I'm just open to anything. Now, as a big pro wrestling fan, though, would you ever consider maybe i i probably suggest AEW commentary over WWE commentary just because Vince would be in your ear 24/7 <laughs> while you're trying to call matches which i've heard is just abysmal it's hellacious i've talked to a few WWE and former WWE commentators are just like it, it's literally the most disciplining thing you could do as a play-by-play man is call action for WWE on Monday night raw Friday night smackdown with that guy in your ear constantly yeah, I think Pat McAfee was talking about it recently, and he was saying the same thing. He was like, "It's a trip," you know. Michael Cole has talked about it a lot in the past as well. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm open to anything, and you know, obviously, I know wrestling more than any other sport because that's one thing I've studied and um, watched the most of, rewatched, watched again. Um, tried to learn all these moves, the commentary styles. Okay, when do I say this? When do I say that? Um, so, I, you know, I've, meant, I've mentally prepared for it. I've never been in that chair. Can't imagine how tough it could possibly be. But I will say that if the opportunity came calling, it would be hard for me to turn it down. Uh, it would just depend on where I'm at in life at the moment. Right. Uh, I'm big self-ownership, owning my own thing. I do have goals for, you know, I'm from the D.C., Maryland area. I do have goals for a sports network that's focused specifically on the sports that are played in this area on the high school level and below. Because um, I don't know if you saw the documentary, Something in the Water, 
It's about uh, basketball players in PG County. Right. There's so much that comes out of this area that gets that goes uh, unnoticed. And I wanted to do something about that. So, so let's, let's get a little bit more into that, what you got going on with the local sports out there, because obviously this is a big project that you got uh, waiting in the wings. Um, well, when you look at not only the basketball scene with high school and all that stuff, like, I mean, there's a couple guys from the D.C. area that start for Duke right now. Um, when you look at everything like even the independent wrestling scene here is phenomenal uh james ellsworth has a wrestling school in this area uh maryland championship wrestling is one of the biggest independent wrestling companies in the country uh most like one of the most famous ones people come there all the time to do autograph signings and wrestling matches and stuff i have a buddy his name's uh dorian uh ring name is chris slade um look out for him He's been wrestling a lot of people. He wrestled TJ Perkins um, a couple years back. He just wrestled Rich Swan recently. <laughs> um, he's man, he's making some major moves, man. I'm super proud of that guy. You know, just give him a shout out real quick. Dorian Womble, aka Chris Slade. He's he's incredible. And he's been working so hard. We went, we were at PG together. So the year before I left for the Air Force, me and him were at PG together. Wow. That's how long he's been grinding for the stream, too. Wow. Those are some big names, too. Very athletic guys. TJP, I thought he got a bad rap when he was in WWE. Uh, got off to a hot start, and then obviously they just buried him. And then Rich Swan, another guy who got, I guess he got into a little bit of trouble, but easily one of the best athletes I thought I saw from the cruiserweight division when he was in WWE. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and they're, and they're, they're raving about him after they share the ring with him. I'm like, look, man, you're you're starting to get a lot of respect from a lot of people. Um, I think he was telling me um, that Billy Gunn, I believe, was in attendance for one of his matches, and came up and talked to him after the match. Was like, that was phenomenal. Like, you're you're great. Keep doing this. You're gonna like, you know, you're gonna get to where you want to be. Um, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be more proud of him. A, a lot of my closest friends really are like successful. Uh, you know, future business owners and, and, and things like that. You know, I, I, I like to keep that type of circle around me. But, you know, back to the the the, uh, the sports scene here, you know, we just, we produce a lot of talent, specifically in basketball. Basketball is like the, we're like a basketball factory here. You know, Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, uh, Michael Beasley, you know, he was, he was really good at one point. Um, you know, ju that's just to name a few. Uh, not to mention the ones who didn't even make it to the NBA. Lynn Bias, God rest his soul. They said he could have been better than Jordan. Um, he was produced right here, you know, Greenbelt, Maryland. So it's it's cool, like, seeing – that's just the sports scene. You know, that's right. not even to mention the entertainment scene. We got Martin Lawrence, Taraji P. Henson, Dave Chappelle. Like, they all come from right here. You know, hopefully one day I can add my list, my name to that list of like those famous names and stuff. But like, man, we produce a lot of talent here. I wanted to get more coverage because there's so many kids with so much more potential uh, than they think that they have. Oh, and yeah. I think it's 
have some eyes on them. They know that people are watching. I think they'll put their best foot forward and they'll get noticed like they deserve to. Anybody could do it as long as they have the confidence to do it and they get backed by the right people. Like you, you said it moments ago, you're surrounding yourself in a circle of people that you want to be surrounded with, right? People who are like-minded and trying to break down the door, not just knock on it, but break down the door, right? Who's, who's one of your favorite play-by-play voices that kind of inspired you to want to get into broadcast television? Man. All right, so there, there's there's two. This is going to be a little weird. The first one's a little weird. He's a YouTube commentator. Uh, basically, what he does is he plays the video game, the sports video game, and then commentates over it as if, like, uh, you know, it was live or something right. like that. His name's Mr. Hurricane. He is awesome. I've been watching him since 2012. Um I've been looking forward to the point where I'm on like a big platform or something or accepting an award or something like that on like the, the SPs. I don't know, you know, just something. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to thank Mr. Hurricane. You know what I mean? I, I want him to get so much shine because when I heard his voice and I heard Gus Johnson's voice. Yeah. Those are the two guys right there that catapulted me into, into this, this brand new world of, getting paid to talk about sports. It's it's weird. It's weird to get paid to just watch and talk about sports. It's not um, easy though, man. Like once you get to that point that they're at, like you could either be like I still love this and this is a dream come true or you could look at it and be like, man, like it it could it's kind of a job. Like I love doing it, but it's still kind of a job. Have you ever felt like that doing play-by-play at a, at a, a smaller level? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be completely transparent about that. Um, there's some games where I'm like, oh, my God, this game is dragging. Like, there's nothing exciting happening. Yeah. I'm trying to inject some energy into it, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's just boring. Surprisingly, the most fun sport to call, in my opinion, is volleyball. It's volleyball. I can put so much energy into that. And everybody who plays that, that game, they just go so hard for every single possession. And it makes it easy to, like, invest yourself into it. Um, Soccer is fun to call sometimes when it's a scoreless game. Ooh, man, it is. It's not easy. You just got to know how to storytell in soccer. That's that's my only thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Surprisingly, I don't like calling basketball. And the reason why is because it's so fast paced that, like, all the notes that you write down in preparation for the game, it's hard to get a chance to peek at those. Uh, so if you're if you don't have some of it like memorized, it's very difficult to keep up with the action because basketball doesn't really stop. You know what I mean? It just it keeps going, it just keeps going back and forth. Um, so it, that one's very difficult. That's my least favorite one to call. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, that gives me burnout very fast. After like two quarters, I'm like, oh man, okay, <laughs> I need a halftime too. <laughs> because those notes you. You throw those out the window right away. Like you said, like stats are changing constantly. All of a sudden, like, you know, the the shooting percentage is up 50% after the first quarter. Like those stats are long gone by that point. I I am not a huge fan of calling play-by-play for basketball either. I will say I do not enjoy soccer just because I grew up a huge baseball guy. Didn't really have time for soccer. Like, baseball could drag on for four hours. I'm still having a ball. I'm having the time of my life. Just, you know, just a kid in a candy store. That's a phrase we like to use on this show. You know, like, it's just, I, I can do 18 innings straight, and I just wouldn't get bored of it. But but soccer, like, if it's a scoreless game, just going back and forth, it's just all defense. 
Like that's when you know you gotta you gotta know stories, you gotta know bios, you gotta know player backgrounds because you'll run out of stuff to talk about very quickly. You will. What was the biggest broadcast blunder you ever had on the air? Like just like mispronouncing a name or accidentally using a curse word or yeah, just muffing something. Because I I do it at least once a game. So we'll, at we'll least the, once a game. We'll stay in the soccer realm here. Uh, <laughs> I like I like to pull like a little Martin Tyler before the game starts and like give the audience uh you know I'll like announce what the starting lineups for each team are, and sometimes that puts me in a bit of a pickle because all of a sudden I'll run into a name and I'm like oh no. <laughs> I'm like, uh, how do I pronounce this? Oh no! And I'll just butcher it. And the producer next to us, he's like, "Hey, it's da 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 da." I'm like, "Oh, well, you could have told me that before the uh, before we went on air. That would have been nice." Uh, <laughs> but that that's that's usually where I mess up. So if if I try to do that before a, a soccer game, I usually mess that up. Uh, I've kind of just owned it at this point. I try my best. If I can't get it perfect. You know, it is what it is. I'll I'll improve on it during the game. You know, look, like Gus says, this is where you want to make your mistakes while while we're here at this school. Uh, so I'm gonna just keep going going ahead and, and making those mistakes and trying to fix them. Uh, but that's usually what it is. I'm never cursed on air. Uh, I've never said anything uh, insensitive on air. Thankfully, I'm I'm pretty careful about the words that I, that I choose. Um, but pronunciations, man, that's a whole new beast. It really is. It's why I'm not even going to try to touch hockey. Like, no thanks. I'm good. Yeah. Dude, I think, honestly, that's probably the best response I've ever had to that question. So props to you for being an utmost professional. You know, because I've, I've, I've had stories, like me personally, it's always tripping over my own words or just forgetting to insert a single letter in the word that I'm saying. Like, there was one time instead of shot clock, I said shot cock on the air. It was, it was like one of my first broadcasts ever, basketball, too. There was a, a softball game. Instead of sacrifice bunt, I said sacrifice blunt. And it was also 420 day, so I brought up the fact that it was 420 day just to just uh, support my, my mistake. But we went to a Christian university, so they did not like that at all. Oh. Yeah, I was taken <laughs> off the air for about a week. I just, I just actually called the national championships for... Not the NCAA, but it's the NCCAA. It's all Christian colleges that are in that association. Uh, so it was their volleyball national championship down in Orlando. I just called that. It was a two-day event. They paid me a hundred a game. I was like, "This is the most I've ever been paid. This is crazy." Yeah, that that was a that was a good uh, that was a good two days. But I definitely was trying to be careful about uh, any any words that I used during that broadcast. Cause I'm like, okay, I got to understand my audience a little bit here. And, uh, you know, if anything even feels risky, I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't need to say it, whatever. I'll, I'll just, I'll find something else. You know what I mean? Victor Rojas, who is the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles angels. He's now the GM of, I think the Frisco, uh, rough riders, double A team for the Texas Rangers. He, um, two years, I think it was 2018. So three years back, in between innings, there was a Leonard Skinner song playing, probably Simple Man. And in between innings, they just came back on the air on Fox Sports West out in Anaheim. And I guess he's a big rock and roll guy. He turned to his color guy and he just goes, this is a great fucking song. On the air. 
on the end, he looked back at his producers. He's like, are we live? They're like, yeah, we're live. <laughs> and he got suspended without pay for like a month. Look, I think I think that's a little harsh. That's that's a little harsh because it, I I don't know. Obviously, he didn't he didn't mean to to do that. He wasn't no that he wasn't trying to offend anybody. Uh, 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 that's that's too much. I wouldn't have done that. Nope. He would have got a stern talking to. I, I I could see like a game suspension, or or just a written apology is fine. You know, because like I think it, he was there for like ten years, like a decade worth of being your play-by-play guy. Like, give him the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, I understand. Like, when you're on the mic, you you better be prepared at all times. I, and, and yeah, and I, I get that. I just think uh, um, suspending him for a month without pay is it's it's overkill. It's overkill. Um, I think people deserve some grace at times. You know, of course, you have been since like that Reds commentator who saying all types of obscenities him you fire him cool get him out of here who cares but yeah this guy i mean i'm, I'm sure anybody who was watching has said a lot worse than that so i mean it's a funny clip you can find it on youtube i found it right away i'm like i i was just laughing hysterically some people don't appreciate that though you know there's some broadcasters that are just very like nonchalant like us then there's others who take it insanely seriously you know Look, I'm a I'm a military man, so I I would appreciate it. You know, I I don't have the cleanest mouth. You know what I mean? Oh so yeah, I get it. I, I totally get it. I, I I I try to refrain from using any of that on air, though, obviously. But you know, like I'm not gonna judge somebody for a little slip up when you haven't seen me after a bottle of Taylor Port. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so what did, what did you think of Tom Brenneman then? You touched on him earlier. I, I don't I don't remember exactly what he said. I think it was a racial slur coming back from commercial break. Slur or a homophobic slur. One of the two. One Honestly, of the two. Like, there, there's there's no room for that. No. The um, thing that got me was that he was apologizing during play, and Nick Castellanos hit a home run, and he stopped midway through his apology to call the home run call, and then immediately went back into the apology. I mean, hey, he's still a pro. He might he might be a jerk, but he's still a pro. But uh, <laughs> I mean, there's just there's no room for it. I mean, it, like we're trying to build a culture of acceptance nowadays. You know what I mean? And um, I wouldn't want anybody watching me or watching my broadcast to think like I'm watching somebody who doesn't like me because of the color of my skin or uh, my sexual preference or anything. You know, anything like that. Like. First of all, my model in life is mind your damn business. <laughs> like, what what is somebody being gay or straight? How does that how does that change my day? It doesn't. And as long as it doesn't change my day, it's not up for you know. I have no concern about it. I'm a big supporter of them anyway. But even if I wasn't. Like, it has nothing to do with me. No. You don't need to be using language like that or talking about people or, I don't know. I, I think, I just feel like some people kind of forget that they should be focused on themselves, improving themselves, not focusing on trying to change everybody around them, uh, you know, to conform to the things that they want them to be like, if, if that makes no. sense. The more, the more diverse of a culture you're in, I feel like the more you learn. Yeah, as long as you're paying attention, right? I agree. And I got a bunch of different perspectives being in the military. Um, 
know, political perspectives, just understanding of where people are coming from, whether they're Biden supporters or Trump supporters or gay or straight or Black Lives Matter or anti-Black Lives Matter, you know, I got their perspectives and whether we agreed or not didn't matter. It was all about, we're having a conversation. I understand you now, you understand me now. And now we're not as angry as we were before. That's that's the whole thing. People think that when you have a conversation that somebody is going to have to have their mind changed by the end of it. That's why nobody wants to have the conversation. Nobody needs to change their mind. People just need to be understanding of the other's perspectives. That's it. Because once you're understanding of the other person's perspectives, boom, there goes the anger. I'm not angry at you anymore because I get where you're coming from. Uh, anger usually stems from feelings of confusion. Um, feel, anger and sadness usually stems from feelings of confusion. Like if a loved one passes away, you're not understanding why they're gone. So you're sad and you're, you're angry about it. You know what I mean? It's the same concept with everything else. Once you take away that confusion, you take away everything else. You take away all those bad emotions. You ever been studying for a test? And you're like, what the F am I reading? You know what I mean? So you're mad now. You're, you're pissed off because you're like, yo, like, what is this? You're confused. But as soon as you get that clarity, you know, you might get a tutor or something, or you're like, oh, I didn't see this line. Now everything makes sense. Yeah. There goes feelings of anger and confusion, right? So it's the same concept for everything, man. We just have to have talks with each other. I was going to say, just talk things through. It's not that difficult. Yeah. You kind of have to let your guard down a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Especially in, like, this line of work, play-by-play voice, color commentator. Like, you guys got to be on the same page. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. You know what how diverse you are whatever culture you're from too right like you guys gotta mesh well in order to sound great on air like you want to sound professional but you want it to click too you want it to flow that's what makes it fun and that's what's going to make the listener and the viewer more entertained throughout a nine inning baseball game or four quarters of a football game you know like that that's what's going to make their experience do, do you have a specific uh specific style of play-by-play that you want to integrate or are you more of along the lines of like you knew who those core voices were you were inspired by them and you're kind of trying to you know take bits and pieces from everyone else and kind of mold it into your own style well i'd say the excitement part i try to take from gus johnson yeah i try to mimic his excitement level because he's just on another level he's he's amazing but i do try to uh I try to talk on air the same way I would talk like right now. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they tell us all the time at the school, like, Hey, turn that TV voice off, turn that, you know, that, that singing voice at the end, like, Oh, he scores a touchdown and they're up seven to nothing. Take that out. Oh, they scored a touchdown. They're up seven to nothing now. Wow. Like, look at that. What people at home want to hear is you feeling like, you're just sitting there in the booth with these guys and we're all having a conversation yep. about what's going on the field. Uh, once I started treating everything in broadcasting like a conversation, things got so easy for me. I found my voice. I found the conversational tone. That's really my style. I like to have a conversation with my broadcast partner because we're, if we're having a conversation, we're bouncing off of each other. And... I'm not talking too much. You're not talking too much. 
the audience isn't getting tired of our voices because like we're we're having a conversation. Um, a lot of people might not like them, but I love listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I love emulating what they do because they sound like two best friends who travel the road together and watch football and talk about it. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want. I mean, they've been doing it 15 plus years too. It helps, you know, consistently getting to do that every single week, but that's the dream that, I mean, I think that's the dream. I think it's difficult at, you know, our stage where our color commentators aren't necessarily former players. Sometimes we're lucky with that. Sometimes though, you know, I'm stuck being the color analyst for soccer when I don't even know all the rules. You know, it, it's difficult to get into a good a good call flow if uh, you're not on the same page and you don't know what's going on. I've been that, in that position. That's probably the most frustrating thing is having a color commentator knowing that, like, you, you're both just starting out, didn't play the game. It's not it's, fun. It's, it's frustrating. Uh, but what I try to do... I'm so serious about this too. I'm so serious. A lot of these sports that I call now, I taught myself the rules by playing the video games. And so now I know what I'm talking about because I play with the different formations. I know the different strategies and stuff because the video game taught me. I became a fan after playing NHL and I learned all the rules and stuff. So now when I watch it, with my actual hockey friends, I'm not looking stupid. I'm like, yo, yeah, that's all sides, man. That's all. He, he crossed the line before the puck did. Like, get that guy. You know, and they're like, oh, my God, he knows it. He's black. He knows hockey. And I'm like, yes, I do. Um, like, I've made that mistake before on NHL 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, with soccer, it was the same concept, man. It was like, you know, I, I just I played the game to death, uh, and I taught myself everything. And, you know, I have a deep love for video games. I've been playing them since I was in elementary school, never stopped. And I really just, I've learned so much from them that has just been very helpful at this stage in my career. When, like you said, I haven't played these games before, but now I have an idea of what I'm talking about because um, I've played them in a different form, you know? now the the things that I'm missing is I can't talk about what the locker room culture is like, right? Or the effects of traveling a long distance or anything like that. I haven't been able to experience that, unfortunately. But we we do the best with what we can do, and a lot of times we're still able to create a fantastic broadcast. And um, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to work with some good friends down there. And because we have that natural chemistry, because we always hang out all the time, we bounce off each other really well. And then some of them just happen to know a lot about the game that we're calling, which is super helpful. And I'm like, okay, you do color, I'll take play by play, and we'll just do that the whole game because it'll sound better. Exactly. So. And if you got good, good chemistry, you may as well just kind of not both be play by play, but like both call it as you see it. And just know when someone's going to talk. That way you guys aren't talking over each other. That's kind of something I tried to incorporate in just doing college play-by-play stuff. Because, you know, your color commentator might be less knowledgeable about you overall. You know, like you have those experiences and you're just like, should I just do it by myself here? Like, are you going to contribute? We had a few of those. I've done that. We had some, like, so, of course, I'm not going to say any names. I don't want to, you know, uh embarrass anybody or anything like that we're all there to learn but some of them some of the guys have a lot more learning to do than other guys do some of them are better in the booth than other guys are 
Uh, there's things that I'm still working on that other guys are like miles ahead of me on as well. Um, but what it, what it all comes down to is like, you got to talk, man. I've been in the booth with some guys who just, they don't say anything. I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm like, okay, so I'm, I guess I'm calling the game by myself today. So I'll, I'll, I'll just shift into a role. I'm very, I'm very adaptive to my environments. The things that are happening around me, I can change in an instant based off of what I'm observing. If I observe that my partner is uh, being a mute today, then I'm like, okay, uh, I know how to adjust to this. I'll just, I'll just cover both. And when yeah. he wants to chip, chip in, but I'm not gonna allow too much dead space. Uh, to be happening, you know, on the air. So all it take if he's bad, it makes you look bad, right? Exactly. At the end of the day, no one wants that. No one wants that. I mean, <laughs> I feel like we've both had those experiences where it's just like, man, like that could have been a great call. Like in, in that regard, like what what's your prep style like? You know, like compared to like a TV broadcast for you know like Rollins College or you know you're at you're at the school or like. You know, just like a high school broadcast where, you know, like three people are listening. Like, what's do you have different uh, styles of game prep? My prep is always the same, but it's based on what information I can find. Yeah. Struggle with college and high school and stuff like that is sometimes you're at the mercy of what information you can find. Now, college, thankfully, they do update their websites a lot. So all the stats are there. Their bios are there. Cool. All right. I got everything I need now from this website. When it comes to high school, because I have done high school as well, that is a struggle. Sometimes you just got to show up there and just freestyle. Yep. Because the information that you try to find, it's not there. Or, the or it's not website. accurate. Or, yeah, or it's not accurate. So, um, you know, I, I I try to treat every broadcast the same way. Um, because every broadcast, it's, it's an honor to be in that chair and be doing what I'm doing. Um, but sometimes like the broadcast doesn't love you back, you know? <laughs> and and it, when you're in that situation, you just have to adapt to what you've been given. We did a high school all-star game down in Tampa uh, about nine months ago and we couldn't find any information, man. It was a struggle, but and we were like, you know what? We're just, we're going to make sure we at least know their names and their high school. And we're just going to talk about what's happening on the floor in front of us. We're not really going to worry about the other stuff, uh, like their bios and everything like that, because there's nothing we could really do about it. Yeah. Those are the most frustrating. I mean, literally seven days ago, I had a men's basketball broadcast for high school. And th these guys don't have any info, like even on the website. Uh, that we have out here like the rosters are incorrect the numbers are incorrect and about five minutes before game time our hdmi cord blew out so i had to do the entire game radio style well, that's lovely not knowing the rosters that's that's perfect that's exactly what you want <laughs> i mean i guess it's a good experience puts you puts you your back against the wall but uh, it wasn't ideal yeah that that sounds rough man. a radio broadcast and you don't know any of the players names Oh man, yeah, I, I can't, I can't imagine that. I've, <clears throat> I've never done radio play-by-play. -play. I have done the radio show for like pregame, halftime, and postgame. That's fun. That that's pretty fun to do. I mean, it forces uh, you to talk. 
It does. Even if you're reiterating and repeating yourself, like it's okay because maybe the viewer just tuned in. You know, just keep painting that picture, keep repainting that that empty canvas so that they know what's going on. I mean, you you really learn the definition of stamina when you do a radio broadcast. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so impressed. Like, I tip my hat off to anybody who does, like, radio play-by-play -play as their full-time job because, you know, much respect to them, the amount of observation that takes. And, you know, I, like I said, the stamina to talk for that long nonstop. You can't take a break. In TV, you can take a break. You can shut up because, like, you know, the, the sometimes the game will do the talking for you, especially in soccer. That's a great, that's the best thing about soccer is you have so many opportunities to let it breathe but when you're doing it on radio it's like man if a feather falls on the field you have to tell the fans that feather fell on the field you got to yeah. really be you know you have to observe everything that's going on around you and uh it's it's something i hope to challenge myself with it one day and actually do one uh but man it's um I'm honestly shocked that the Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting, you guys haven't experienced radio broadcasting yet from being such well, a radio talk show host. Well, you know, we, 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 do, we do the stuff with WPRK down in Winter Park. Uh, and we, like I said, we do the pregame, halftime, and postgame shows for the basketball games. But Rollins has actually had the same duo for their Rollins radio broadcasts yeah. for decades now. Uh, it's it's been the same too, and they're awesome. So there's no way we're getting in there, you know what I mean. Um, but we are able to do the, you know, the live broadcast where you know you can go on Sunshine State Conference digital network and watch the games there, and you know we'll be commentating over them, like that. But uh, as far as the radio man, those guys are untouchable, and I, I see why. I see why they're very good at what they do. Um, and they have a lot of chemistry. You could tell they've been doing it together for a long time. Oh, my God. I mean, especially in the big markets, like, if you want to be a play-by-play -play voice for the New York Yankees, good luck. They have their next three broadcasters lined up for the next six decades, right? Their children's children are lined up for those jobs. Right? I mean, literally, the, the guy who's grooming to be the next play-by-play -play voice has been in their organization for over 20 years already. Just to tell you how hard that is. Like, Vin Scully just retires. Joe Davis comes in for the Los Angeles Dodgers. First broadcaster they've had in 70-plus years. That wasn't yeah. Vin Scully. It's um, it's a, it's a new take on inheritance right there. <laughs> so if you were to uh, be offered a role, let, let's say ESPN, Fox Sports, WWE, out of those three, which one would you take? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, probably Fox Sports. One reason is because they're out in L.A. <laughs> ESPN's in cold New York, you know. <laughs> but I have a lot of respect for a lot of the stuff they do at all three of those companies. Uh, Fox Sports, of course, with Fox NFL Sunday, everything that they do there. I'd love to be a part of that, I'm telling you. Like, if, if, I, got, if I got on there with Terry, Howie, Michael... All of them, man. I'm like, sign me up. I'll do whatever you get. I'll be your runner if you want me to. Seems you know, like a blast, just... honestly. Honestly, by the time, let's say like five, ten years down the road, Barstool Sports will probably have their own line, their own streaming service. That would be an interesting one to call because you basically can say whatever the hell you want on their yeah. platform. But yeah, it, at the nothing. same time, it's not what you were taught, right? It would be different. 
Yeah, it, it would be different, but um, I am what I would consider a outspoken person, but I'm also very strategic. I'm not going to say what I really want to say about certain things until I'm at a certain point where I can afford to do that. Right. And I think that's just the smartest way to go about it. Um, but, you know, it, like, say, say I, you know, I put in all my work, I'm, I'm 45 years old, and I'm, they're like, hey, here's a $100 million contract to do this show for 10 years. Cool. Now I can say whatever I want because I'm financially secure at this point. And of course, like I already told you, I'm not going to say anything offensive about anybody or any group of people. So that's not what I mean when I say say whatever I want. But I'm saying, like, give honest, honest opinions. Like, how did I feel about uh, what Stephen A. said on his show the other day? Or how do I feel about the direction of uh, the NFL and their COVID-19 uh, protocols and things like that? Right. Those very sensitive topics that can get you canceled. Anything can get you canceled nowadays. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful about what opinion you share. Um, really, it all goes back to mind your damn business. How does this affect you? If it doesn't affect you, you shouldn't be speaking on it right now unless you're getting paid to do so. Right now, I'm not getting paid to do so, so I ain't speaking on nothing, you know. But <laughs> but maybe one day, eventually, I will get paid for that, and then, you know, I can start sharing how I feel about certain things. Honestly, it doesn't even take your own opinion at this point. As long Like, you could just bring it up and say something that will set someone off, and all of a sudden, you're canceled. Yeah. It, it, it's a tough gig to have as a play-by-play sports announcer on a big national network like Fox Sports or ESPN or NBC for that matter. So you could and, say and the slightest thing that could piss someone off. You're 100% right because and, and that's that's one of those reasons why those networks I wouldn't say intimidate me but they kind of like put me off just a little bit because I'm like, oh man, can I say what I want to say or am Am I going to be controlled in what I can say? And then when I do say those things that I was told to say, oh, man, I get canceled. Like, it's it's just, I'm like, I don't know how to go about it. Which is why earlier I was saying, you know, I'm just, wherever life takes me, it takes me. I don't really have a end destination in mind right now except for my graduation date. I graduate in September uh, of this year coming up. But I'm really enjoying the ride. I'm surrounded by amazing people and instructors who just care so much about each one of us and what we're doing and they really just want to see us succeed they want us they want to see us become stars they want to see us reach our full potential and uh man i just have so much appreciation for them just actually seeing me and noticing that i'm talented because at some point when nobody notices it you start to doubt it a little bit uh but that constant reassurance of like hey we just saw uh your production from the other day that was phenomenal having random people come up to me going into a new class meeting a teacher i haven't met yet and they're like oh alfonso yeah i heard about you man heard about you good reputation i'm like really wow you know it's it's humbling and it's exciting and um man this journey is crazy man 
I mean, you're going to go out with a bang this year. And obviously, that's an unbelievable environment to be around when everybody's supporting each other. Everybody's giving themselves opportunities. Everybody's looking out for one another. I guess we'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this since we started talking about wrestling at the beginning. What is your dream match that you'd love to call in, in any promotion between Ooh. two between two superstars? Um, if you give me Roman Reigns and this Roman Reigns versus CM Punk would be the dream match. Really? This Roman Reigns right here versus this CM Punk. This CM Punk, really? CM Punk that just obliterated MJF. I don't care what anybody says. There's only one man who had a good promo in that back and forth, and that was CM Punk. MJF got shredded. MJ, I mean, he's 24 years old, man. For for him being 24 years old and him having the skills that he has on the mic is unbelievable. Like he's, and and I do think that CM Punk hit it right on the head when he called him a less famous Miz because it's obvious he dresses the exact same way, same exact haircut too. But MJF is insanely talented, insanely talented. He's a much better wrestler than I thought he was going to be. He's much more athletic than I thought he was going to be. Because uh, when you look at when you look at his 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 look, he doesn't look like he can do a backflip. You know what I mean? He just looks like a classic heel, which, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he just looks like a classic heel that's going to put you in a headlock, and then they're really good on the mic. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And like those those heels were essential to building the business, though. But when I saw him actually wrestle Darby, and he's doing backflips and all this crazy stuff, I'm like, oh wow. Okay, uh, he's better than I thought he was. Um, but it, maybe him versus the Miz would be another one. I don't know. I just like to be on commentary for their promo that they do. <laughs> be like that Spider-Man meme. Yeah, exactly the same thing. I was gonna go this version of Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles because they had some pretty epic clashes back like five years ago. Yeah, they did. I was ringside for one of them. It was an Extreme Rules match. In Newark. Yeah, and Seth Rollins came back. Unbelievable. And Seth Rollins, like, I was literally turning around, going back to the car, and all of a sudden, just you hear the pop from the crowd, and we're like, what? Everybody's going nuts. (laughs) It was like a nine month layoff. It was insane. And getting to witness that ringside is nothing. Like, that compared to watching it in the nosebleeds, it's an entirely different ballgame. Okay. I, I don't, I don't want to get into your pockets here, but how much did those tickets run you? Because every time I even look for those, they're gone already, so I never know how much they cost. It was one of my buddy's birthdays, and he bought the tickets. I have no idea. I got really? out of that skin free. Nice. Nice. Hey, man. All power to you, man. Are you, are you kidding? Are you kidding? I always got the hookup. I always got the hookup, man. But I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, spending the last hour talking some pro wrestling, talking some broadcasting, man. I always love uh, picking the brains of other, you know, aspiring play-by-play voices to see what they uh, want to do down the line. And obviously, with your setup right now, you're you're in good hands. So it's yep. awesome to see you uh, uh, kicking ass, doing what you're doing, and play-by-play. Alfonso McCree Jr., where can we find you on social media, man? At Alfonso McCree Jr., um, my Facebook page, I also have Alfonso McCree Jr. And on YouTube, Alfonso McCree Jr. Uh, if you guys want to check out, like, I'll leave you with this, the 50-day challenge uh, that I did. I uploaded to YouTube for 50 days straight to challenge myself to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's a big part of how I got to where I am now. Um, 
you want to check that out and then challenge yourselves to to do a 50-day challenge as well i really do encourage it it led to a lot of great things for me yeah i mean i checked out your channel just the other day a ton of different content too yeah five most embarrassing stories that one was good (laughs) oh man the fact that one of those is how I met my wife is is pretty crazy. So that, that was it was worth it. See, so you know how to storytell. That's the most important thing about play by play, man. You already know. It doesn't matter what your what story you're telling. You know how to do it. Sir, yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was episode 462 of the podcast. Remember, we are sponsored by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, Zach, first of all, Merry Christmas and hit the lights, man. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.